Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today I'll be interviewing Dr. Debbie Silber. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The um, New York is absolutely one of my favorite places to visit. I went there um, for New Year's 2019, I want to say, mm-hmm. right before mm-hmm. the pandemic. And um, oh, it was just a beautiful time in Times Square. I, uh, I've i been there several times during New Year's and um, Christmas time, but I've never been to Times Square during that time until then. And it was just a magical thing. I believe New York, that city has a heartbeat. Anybody who's ever been there, mm-hmm. they can attest to that. And uh, uh, I know that's where you are right now. And then, uh, California, one mm-hmm. of my favorite places as well. I lived there for a little while. Uh, do you enjoy those places as well? Uh, I love it. Well, I don't live in New York City, but it is a magical, magical place. It's uh, a little bit different now, but but it'll it'll come back. So I live I live uh, not about 45 minutes out of the city, but it it's it's intense. And that energy is like none other. And that, but I have four kids and three of them are out in, in San Diego. So I bounce back and forth between the two. Oh. Not not bad places to travel. Yes, definitely. I've been to San Diego too. Um, beautiful place. Nice weather. When you where did you grow up? I, I grew up on Long Island in New York. So not where I live now, but. 40 minutes away from where I am now. And it's, uh, I've just, I've been here forever, but, but there's a very different energy in San Diego. And I think now that I'm so clear about who I am and the type of, the type of people I like around me and the energy I need around me, San Diego is way more my pace. I'm, I'm like a New Yorker that, that never was supposed to live here. I just, I'm more, I just feel more at peace, more at ease, more grounded in, in San Diego. But I, I have that, New York speed, for sure. <laughs> True. I definitely understand yeah. that. So when you were growing up, uh, did you have to find your voice or you already had your voice when you were growing up? You know, I, I was always very creative, but but didn't really figure out what I was meant to do and what I wanted to do until much later. I mean, I was on a, this this real fast track to uh, to be in TV, the production end of it. So I actually graduated with a double major, TV production, broadcast journalism. And I went to school on Long Island. And, and the reason was so that I could work in the city and do internships and, and work for all of these TV stations. And and then there was one, this one day where I just, I was sitting in an edit room till like four in the morning and I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing? It, it just wasn't resonating at all. And I realized, I, although I was good at it at the time, it wasn't fulfilling for me personally. And there was one piece that I was working on where it was about helping people. And I, I put it together. I said, well, you know what? It's not the, the TV aspect of it. It's the helping people part that really resonated. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I have 10 years of student loans. How the, how the heck do I do this now? Change careers. But, you know, when your heart's telling you to do something, so uh, I'll never forget. Uh, I just said, okay, well, I know I have to, I have all those loans to pay back and it's going to take a while, but I'm just not meant for that anymore. And um, thought, well, okay, I need to be in health. 
I have no idea what it's going to look like. I had no health background, but let's start in health. And, and uh, I got a job at Nutrisystem at the time. I think they're still around. And anyway, I was working in one of their stores and I thought, okay, well, I'll climb the Nutrisystem ladder. And my college roommate calls me one day and she said, are you bored? I'm like, you have no idea. She said, let's, let's take a class. I go, you know what? That's, I don't even care what it's in. Sign me up. She goes, let's take it towards something. Let's be dietitians." And I was like, okay. So I signed up MSRD. It's a master's in nutrition a dietetic. She did too. I mean, uh, so she, she said she was going to, she never did. And so I went down that track and then, uh, and then from there became a certified personal trainer and whole health coach and functional diagnostic nutritionist and eventually PhD in transpersonal psychology. Wow. How would you describe transpersonal psychology? It's that program was so incredible. It's really the psychology of transformation and human potential. I was always obsessed with transformation. Uh, I had done it myself and I facilitated in others and, and just learning it at that level was fascinating to me. What gave you the, I guess, the courage to step away from behind the scenes uh, you know, I'm sure you created a level of comfort before you uh, realized that, you know, this is definitely not it for me. What gave you that courage? It, I don't know if I had courage. I was terrified, but it was, <laughs> uh, but it, it really was so misaligned with, with who I, with who I was. And, and I'm a, I'm a big believer in, you know, just follow your truth. And, and even it's, even if it's by process of elimination, where you, you're trying everything and it's like, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. No, that's not it. Until you figure out what it is. I mean, this is my 30th year in business and my business has morphed and changed and grown as I have. And, uh, you know, to, to where now I'm, I'm pulling together everything that's worked over the last 30 years for what I'm doing now. Wow, that definitely should give people a lot of hope, even if they feel uneasy right now. Mm -hmm. in whatever profession they're in, as long as they keep evolving and be true to that, I guess they can come into the place that they were destined to become. Mm -hmm. yeah. We, yeah, it's hard to know uh, your whole life's path when you're young. You're, you're trying out things you don't know, but but every single thing you're doing is is a stepping stone. I mean, nothing will teach you where you're meant to be more than your mistakes. So, so I welcome them, you know, you'll do something and it's like, whoops, that didn't work. Or that was a, a huge fail, but it really wasn't because it showed you what your next step should be. Yeah. So you, did you see the success? You, you've done a lot of work in transformation, mm -hmm. um, you know, but what was your pain? Was there any pain that you experienced that, mm -hmm even steered you even more in this direction? Oh, absolutely. It was first, you know, here I was, uh, and this was years ago, I had four kids and six dogs and this thriving business, but I was a mess and, and I was, I was in health. So I should have been the picture of health and I was anything, but so I, I had surgery and while I healed, I studied to become a whole health coach, health expert trained to teach how you're your lifestyle creates health or wellness or illness and disease. And I learned that on some level, the thoughts I was thinking, the stress I was under, the relationships I had were at the root of it all. So I changed everything, everything healed. That put me on a whole new path. And then years later, it was the betrayal of my family 
And I, I thought I did the work to heal from that. And then a few years later, it was my husband. And anybody who's been through it, you know, you're shocked, you're, you're devastated, your heart's broken. So I got him out of the house and I'm like, okay, that was the deal breaker. So let's, uh, let's see how, to, how I can figure this out. And, and then I was like, I don't know what it's going to take, but I know I looked at those two scenarios and I was like, what's common to these two experiences? And I realized I, I, I never took my own needs seriously. And unless, you know, nothing changes and nothing changes. So I said, okay, well now it's my turn. And I enrolled in that PhD program and it was so intuitively guided. I felt so pulled to do that. And then while I was there, I did a study. I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. And that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my family, my business, my life. What were those three groundbreaking discoveries? Yeah. So the, the first was originally I was studying something called uh, I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And if you, if you, if you imagine um, like sort of an upside of trauma, any trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, how that experience can leave you with a new insight, awareness, perspective that you didn't have. Like maybe you come out of something like that and you say, life is short or the little things matter, whatever it is. But I, but I had been through death of a loved one and I had been through disease and I was like, mm -mm, betrayal feels much different to me, but I didn't want to assume. So I asked my study participants and I said, if you've been through other experiences, other traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? Unanimously, they said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And it's so different because it feels so intentional. So we take it so personally. The whole self has to be rebuilt, rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust. So I felt like it didn't quite qualify as post-traumatic growth. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation, the complete and total rebuild after an experience with betrayal. That was the first discovery. The, you want me to go into the next two? Yes. Sure. So the second one was um, while th that there's this collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal, it's known as post-betrayal syndrome. And we actually have a quiz on our site to see to what extent people are struggling. At this point, we've had over 18,000 plus people who've taken it in the last year and a half, two years, to see to what extent uh, someone's struggling. And it's interesting because we've all been taught time heals all wounds. I have the proof when it comes to betrayal, that's not true. Because people write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust again. You know, my betrayal happened 15 years ago. I feel like it happened yesterday. So we know that time does not heal betrayal. It can soften it a bit, but it, it will follow you around like a shadow and show up in many ways, which I can talk about too. The third discovery was while we can stay stuck for years or decades, a lifetime, if we're going to fully heal, we're going to move through five now proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is now we know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. So the beauty of that is now healing from betrayal has a roadmap. Nice. So tell us about a little more about betrayal and why does it hurt? What yeah. does it impact and what does it create? You know, it, it hurts so much because this was the person or these were the people who gave you a sense of safety and security. 
So when this is the person or these are the people to shatter that sense of safety and security, it's terrifying. It's like the person that we thought we knew just takes a mask off and reveals who they've been. And, but, but you know what the study also showed and what I learned through my research and just even in, in running the PBT Institute, the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute is rebuilding ourselves is always a choice whether we rebuild ourselves and move along, that's what I did with my family. It wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you do have the opportunity sometimes, and we teach you how to know when you do, to rebuild something entirely new with the person who hurt you. That, that's what I did with my husband. So as two totally transformed people, not long ago, we married each other again. <laughs> new rings, new vows, new dress, and this time our four kids is our bridal party. So, um, you know, sometimes it lends itself to that. Sometimes it doesn't. How to know when it, how do you know when it's safe and in your best interest to just move along? How do you know if it's safe and in your best interest, if you want to, to do something new? We, we teach you how to do all that. Nice. So what are some physical symptoms of betrayal, some emotional and mental symptoms? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because every few months I, I pull the stats from the post-betrayal syndrome quiz. I have some in front of me. So, um, it, it, you know, it's people usually think, oh, it's due to my age or it's just stress. No, it's not. It's because of your betrayal. So the most common here, I'll just read them off. Some of the most common physical symptoms, 71%. So this is out of 18,000 plus people. 71% have low energy. 68% have sleep issues, 63% extreme fatigue, 47% have weight changes, 45% have digestive issues. And that could be anything from Crohn's, irritable bowel syndrome, um, IBS, uh, diarrhea, constipation, you name it. The mental symptoms, most common, 78% feel overwhelmed, 70% disbelief, 68% unable to focus, 64% shock, 62% unable to concentrate. So now imagine you're trying to do your work and you have a gut issue and you're exhausted, right? That's not even the emotional uh, symptoms. 88% sadness, 83% anger. If you're just angry and sad and you bounce back and forth between those two emotions, that's exhausting. 82% uh, feel hurt, 80% have anxiety, 79% are stressed. Here's why I wrote trust again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. So how does someone know they have the inability, they have an inability to trust? Is it something they could... Um, uh, discern for themselves or they mm -hmm. have to get input from others? Well, you know what? We see it in so many different ways when you have an unhealed betrayal. So we see it in health, in work, in relationships, and it could show up like this. Like in relationships, for example, I'll see it in one of two ways. The first way is a repeat betrayal where the faces change, but it's the same experience. So you may be going like to boss, to boss, to boss, partner, to partner, to partner, friend, to friend, to friend. You say, what the heck is it me? Yes, it is. Not to say that you are to blame, but there's a profound lesson that's waiting to be learned. And until and unless you do, you keep getting opportunities in the form of people to teach you that. 
And when the lesson's learned, you don't need to repeat it anymore. So maybe the lesson for you is you are lovable, worthy, deserving. You need better boundaries in place, whatever it is. Until and unless you get that and you implement that, you will have repeat betrayals. The second way we see it is, you know, someone puts that big wall up. They're like, "Mm -mm -mm, been there, done that. No one's getting near me again. And sure, you keep out the bad ones, but you keep out the good ones too. So, you know, we think it's coming from a place of strength. It's not. It's coming from a place of fear. That's how we know it's, it's unhealed. You know, in, in health, let's just say, we see it where someone goes to the most well-meaning doctors, coaches, healers, therapists to manage a stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. And at the root of it is an unhealed betrayal. And we see it at work too. These are just two ways. Like, let's say you deserve that razor promotion. Uh, you know, but you, your confidence was shattered because of your experience. So you don't have the confidence to ask and you're bitter and resentful instead. And that's the energy you bring to work every day. Or you, uh, you want to be a team player or you want to be that collaborative partner, but the person you trusted the most proved untrustworthy. So how can you trust that boss, that coworker, that, you know, that, that JV partner, it's terrifying. So it shows up everywhere. So Things happen and people are, you know, this betrayal happens and Mm -hmm. it's the person in taking that information. And then I believe sometimes they are repeating it the way they receive it. It's imprinted on their subconscious mind and they are constantly reliving that same situation. Like Mm -hmm. you said earlier, the Mm -hmm. same exact situation, different face. Yeah. until they overcome and conquer it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's it. And, and it's such a clear sign that it's not healed. And that's why, you know, that's why you're revisiting it. And, and it could be the one experience where you just keep thinking about it over and over and over and over again. Uh, and then it, the challenge with that is that starts becoming your new belief system. And we see this in, in the five stages this is why most people get stuck in this one stage and they could stay there for life and they don't ever hit that place where they start to transform and they start to really change. And it's because they are so stuck. And I can go through the five stages if that would. Yes, help. that's what that was going to be my next question. The five stages. Sure. And I, I go into them in such greater detail and trust again, but here's just a kind of a synopsis. So if you imagine four, uh, four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everybody in the study, me too, was this real heavy lean on, on two legs, which are physical and mental, and really neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. And what does that mean? It means we're really good at thinking and doing and not really prioritizing the feeling and being. But it's in the thinking, it's, it's in the feeling and, and being, that's where our intuition lies and we turn that down. Anyway, if a table only has two legs, it's easy for that table to topple over, that's us. And um, next comes stage two. And this is the shock. This is by far the scariest stage. This is D-Day, Discovery Day. And it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. So here's where you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for just about every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. This makes no sense. And your worldview is shattered. Your worldview is your mental model. These are the rules. This is how it works. Don't go there. 
And in a moment, everything you've known to be real and true is no longer. But think about it. If you, the bottom is bottomed out on you. But if you were walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything and everything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical of all of the stages. You know, if you can't help me, get out of my way. How will I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Like it's as practical as that. But here's the trap. Once you've figured out how to survive, because it's so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you think it's good. So you start planting roots here. And then a few things happen. The first thing is you start getting these small self benefits. You get to be right. You get your story, you get someone to blame, you get a target for your anger, you get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to, you know, you get a whole bunch of stuff and you're not meant to stay here long, but those things are keeping you rooted right here. And because you're here, the next thing that happens is now your mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you deserved it. Maybe you're not all that great. And you're planting deeper roots. And then because you're here, you're planting deeper roots, like energy attracts like energy. So now circumstances and people and relationships are coming towards you to confirm this is where you belong. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because you don't like it, and because you have no idea there's anything better than this, you resign yourself to thinking, okay, I, I, I have to find a way to make peace with this and make it work. So here's where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy to numb, avoid, distract yourself. So you do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit, a year, 10 years, 20 years. And I can see someone 20 years out and say, that emotional eating or that drinking or that numbing in front of the TV, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? They'd say, oh my gosh, that happened 20 years ago. But do you see, all they did was put themselves in a perpetual holding pattern that whole time. They're still in stage three. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So anyway, if you're willing to let go of all of those small self-benefits, grieve more than the loss, you have to do a few things. You can move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo the betrayal, but I can control what I do with it. And here's where, like if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, you don't, you know, it's like, it's not cozy yet. Your stuff's not all there, but it's going to be okay. And you're, you're turning, when you're in this mental space, you're turning down your stress response. You're not physically healing just yet, but now you're not causing the massive damage like you were causing in stage two and stage three. The other thing that's really interesting to stage four is if you were to move, you don't take all your stuff with you. But right, like you don't take the stuff that doesn't represent who you want to be in that new space. And what I saw here was if your friends weren't there for you, here's where you've outgrown them. So people say to me all the time, Dr. Debbie, what, what the heck? I've had these friends for 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing this transformation and they're just not a fit anymore. It happens sometimes. Anyway, when we're in this stage four, we're good with it. We're making it okay. We can move into the, the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercising. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. Your mind starts to heal. You're making new rules, new boundaries based on, on all you've been through. And you have a new worldview, a new mental model based on your whole experience. And remember the four legs of the table in the beginning, it was just all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded 
because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Nice. So when someone probably they've, you know, had betrayal Mm -hmm. and they stop on stage two or three and Mm -hmm. for 20 years, 15, 20 years, they have no relationships Mm -hmm. and they think they're healed and go back to, you know, relationship and they find themselves still in that same spot. Mm -hmm. Do you see why they're stuck? Yes. They stopped in stage three. Most people do. They have no idea. I didn't know there were five stages until I discovered it. <laughs> you know, but the, <laughs> but the beauty is now there's this roadmap. Like our our you know within the PBT Institute, we have our Betrayal to Breakthrough program that literally walks you through the stages. Our coaches are all certified in moving you through the stages, so we know we know just by talking with someone what stage they're in. And the beauty is once you know. We know now what you need to do to move from stage two to three to four to five. Like if you've been through the worst of it already, you deserve to heal. Staying stuck in stage three is such a setup for repeat experiences and a miserable life. You've already been through the worst of it. You deserve to go to that stage four, that stage five, to that place of post-betrayal transformation. Yes, that's beautiful. So it sounds like our minds can greatly impact our physical uh, ailments that Mm -hmm. sometimes people could be suffering from physical uh, things and Mm -hmm. they can't seem to heal from it. And it could be an internal thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because, you know, and this is, this is the problem because when someone is betrayed, their first, you know, when, when we created the PBT Institute, I was like, okay, what does the research prove that we need? What do the 18,000 people who are telling us what they want, what are they saying? And what doesn't work? I'm not going to include that. And I'm going to include only what does. And what I found was uh, what doesn't work. So many people go to therapy. Now, if that therapist is highly skilled in betrayal, it's one thing, but if they're not, we found it does more harm than good because it betrayal lends itself to a very unique type of healing. And so often, like, we'll, we'll see this. This is a, a typical scenario. Let's say uh, a husband and wife, and let's just say the husband is a narcissist and he has an affair. And the wife is, she manages to drag him to couples counseling. Like, I know some of your listeners are shaking their head like, oh my gosh, that's <laughs> move. So, okay. So, so now, if that therapist isn't highly skilled, that narcissist can be very charming. And what goes on at home, that's not what he's doing on the outside. So she, so he's very charming, maybe some crocodile tears, right? So the counselor can look at the wife and say, well, you know what? You need to learn to communicate better. Or, you know, you need to, and, and she's thinking, you have no idea what goes on at home. And, and why is this about me right now? So we see this all the time and it's, it's like therapy trauma. So it's got to be a really good, that's why we have the right coaches and practitioners within the PBT Institute, but, or at least make sure whoever you are seeing is very, very qualified. But, um, you know, if, if they're not, it's just, it's, it's so upsetting. You've been through so much already. Uh, and, and you need the right type of support. It, it's just, and you know, the wrong type, type of support is also these support groups, like the ain't it awful club, you know, and the problem with that is the minute you start healing, you, you don't belong and that doesn't work either. So, you know, it's really about someone that we're the right group that can lift and inspire you um, where, you know, it, it just lends itself for a much better healing experience. 
Yeah, that sounds like also if someone, you know, if they are in this uh, state that I would Mm -hmm. say victimized, you know, in a victim state, they Mm -hmm. were victimized, but they have this mindset and they encounter a person who wouldn't, who will not accept that. Mm-hmm. That would make them probably feel really uncomfortable, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that, you know what? It's so great you said that because here's here's what happens. When we're used to a certain um, experience, we find people that kind of match that. Like, for example, let's say you grew up in a home where you were just spoken to really negatively and you were, you know, it just mental and, and just emotional abuse. Well, so then you go ahead in your adult life and you have relationships like that, not because they're good, because they're so familiar. You're like, okay, I know how this works, you know, and, and it happens all the time. So it's when something is very different. If you're, if you've only had negative experiences and something is very different, maybe that's a good thing. (laughs) Sure. Sure. So define post-betrayal syndrome for us and how do we know if we have it? Yeah. So post-betrayal syndrome, that was one of those discoveries. It is that collection of symptoms so common to betrayal. So I read you those statistics Mm -hmm. that comes from the post-betrayal syndrome quiz. And, And if you're struggling with those symptoms, it's likely that it's because of your betrayal. And it doesn't matter how long ago it was. It doesn't matter how severe it was. It's still with you until you heal it. So what's post-betrayal transformation and Mm -hmm. how is it different from post-traumatic growth? Yeah, so that, like I was saying earlier, post-traumatic growth is kind of the upside of trauma, how that trauma leaves you with that new awareness, perspective, insight that you didn't have. And yes, that's true with betrayal, but the difference is when it comes to betrayal, the whole self is shattered because you take it personally. It's intentional. So, you know, like, let's say you lose someone you love, you grieve, you're sad, you're mourning the loss, but you don't necessarily take it personally. You don't have trust issues after that. You don't feel, um, you know, maybe rejected, abandoned, or or your sense of belonging isn't shattered. With betrayal, they all take such a hit. So if I were to give you sort of an equation, it would be post-traumatic growth, Plus rebuilding the self equals post-betrayal transformation. Mm-hmm. It's the complete and total rebuild after an experience with betrayal. Wow. It sounds like that could be a scary place for someone who has been betrayed as well. Well, you know what? Post-betrayal transformation is an incredible space because you feel so healed, so whole, so confident, so strong because you've rebuilt yourself You've created basically a new identity. You take the parts you like and you leave behind the parts that no longer serve. The part of you where boundaries would get crossed. The part of you that just accepted less than you deserved. You don't take that with you. You're creating only uh, who you want to be now. That's, that's what you're creating. And it makes for a very strong, amazing person. Yes, I should have said uh, to get to that place. Yeah. Uh, go through some scary places Mm -hmm. are there any questions we can ask ourselves to see if we are numbing avoiding and distracting ourselves yeah sure so that's the thing because that will keep you locked in that stage three that we talked about right it once you start numbing avoiding distracting 
you're going to stay stuck. So these are questions that I invite everybody to write down just to see if this is what you're doing. So the first one would be, you ask yourself, am I numbing and distracting? If so, how? And call yourself on it. Are you, uh, you know, you walk in the kitchen, you're not the least bit hungry and you're, you know, you're going through the, the cabinets. Do you put the TV on the minute you walk into a room because you're desperately trying to drown out the sound of your own thoughts? Call yourself on it. The second question, what am I pretending not to see? Am I pretending not to see there's trouble in my relationship? Am I pretending not to see that health issue that needs my attention? Am I pretending not to see I hate my job? What am I pretending not to see? The third question, what's life going to look like in five to 10 years if I do nothing? Play it all the way out. Take that relationship issue that you're ignoring, go five to 10 years out in every aspect of it. What's it going to look like? That health issue, that job issue, play it out. And what could life look like in five to 10 years if I change now? I'm not saying it's easy, but transformation happens when you tell yourself the truth. That's when it begins. So does someone have to be really motivated in order to go through the go through these stages? You know, I don't know if the right word is is motivation. They have to be intentional. It will not happen on its own. It just won't. And, you know, the study even even showed there were three groups who did not heal. And one group was the group who was numbing, avoiding, distracting. You know, they thought it would make the day a bit easier, but, you know, it just kept all their healing at bay. The second group was a group, they just refused to accept their betrayal. They had their story, they were sticking with it. They were not moving forward. They were stuck. And the third group, this was the group where the betrayer really had uh, very little consequences, whether it was out of fear, financial fear, religious reasons, not wanting to break up a family. They tried to turn the other cheek. They tried to put it behind them. They tried to just make it okay. Tell that to your broken heart. You know, I, I only saw two things with this group and it was a further deterioration of the relationship. And, and the second thing was that group by far was the most physically sick. Your body can't take that. Mm. So is there any hope for what would people in those groups need to do to uh, possibly move from those states? I know it's difficult if a you know, a person is really inflicted in upon themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we say there's a saying in our community and we say, face it, feel it, heal it. And that's really it. I mean, you can't heal what you're unaware of. So we need to just acknowledge, yes, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. It's awful. It's horrible. It's terrible, but you deserve to heal. And yes, you have your story and you get sympathy from everybody you tell it to. Like, look, my story, the most important people in my life all betrayed me. However, um, by doing something really good with something really bad, I have a way better story now. Now we're helping thousands of people heal from their experiences. You know, now, now I have the proof of what it takes to heal. Now we have three discoveries that, so the world can know that, that healing is simply a choice. So this story, you know, and I have the story of, as two totally different people, I married my husband again. Like these stories are so much better then the story of, you know, look at what happened to me. It's awful. And I didn't do anything anybody else couldn't do. I just refused to just sit there. I was like, am I either the poster child for betrayal? I don't want that title um, or meant for something else. And I said, if, if I can heal from this, I'm, I'm just taking everybody with me. Mm, that's powerful. Um, yes. Uh, what are some things that I guess people could do to move forward and heal yeah. from a betrayal experience. 
Yeah, you know, I, I would say just hopefully this conversation has somebody thinking, oh my gosh, you know what? Yeah, mine happened years ago. And when I say betrayal, it, it's a family member, a partner, a friend, a coworker, self, it doesn't matter. It is holding you back. So I really, I invite everybody to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz because they'll see to what extent they're struggling. And from there, they could take the measures to heal. And how can, what are some things people could do to begin to learn to trust again? Yeah. So, so, uh, I mean, that's why I wrote trust again. <laughs> we teach a four, <laughs> four step trust rebuilding process. And I, you know, I, I look at, I look at trust like a brick wall. That brick wall can take decades to build. The only way I know it can be built is brick by brick by brick. Right. And each opportunity a person has to show that they're trustworthy represents a brick in that brick wall. And then here they go doing something devastatingly painful. The entire wall comes tumbling down. So people ask me, ask me all the time, can trust be repaired? I say no, uh, but can it be rebuilt? Yes. But it, but here's what it takes, you know, think about it. The only way it can be rebuilt is the way it was built the first time, brick by brick, by brick, by brick. You cannot rush it. So the person who's been betrayed, right? The person who was lied to or deceived, they have to be, they don't have to do anything. I mean, they can look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest in watching that thing get rebuilt. I'm out of here. That's totally fine. But if they are willing, they have to be willing to watch the brick wall be rebuilt. And the person who lied, who cheated, who deceived has to be a really good bricklayer. Right. And that's the way trust can be rebuilt. But what I see so often is the person who's been betrayed because it feels so uncomfortable because they don't like this awkward a painful space they're in. They're like, ah, forget it. I'll build a brick wall. You see, that's the trap. Mm -hmm. So you said no to repaired. Why do you say mm -hmm. no to repaired and yes to rebuild? Yeah, because when you, uh, it's when when I see people try to do this, they they don't uh, they don't lend it, the the relationship to an entire crash and burn. And I get it. It's scary. It's terrifying. It's like, this was your partner. This was your best friend. This was whoever it was to you. And to say, well, that old version of that relationship, that old version of me, that old version of you is absolutely dead and gone. Without that, you don't have the opportunity to birth the new. So it's, it's that death and rebirth. But what people do is they just try to patch it up. They just try to make it go away. They just try to minimize it, but it's always there. So when I say it can't be repaired, repairing is like trying to patch it up. It doesn't work. Death of the old allows for the rebirth of the new. Wow, that's good to know. Um, did you know that you would receive all of the success that you've garnered so far by <laughs> being on all these different shows like Dr. Oz, Fox, CBS, and so on? I had no idea. <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting because um, especially with this message, it's a very vulnerable message and I'm a private person and I'll, I'll never forget, you know, any good coach has a coach. And, and I was talking to, we were on a Zoom call with everybody and, you know, and, and our coach was, was asking us, you know, sort of what's new with you? What are you working on? What are you working on? And it was my turn. And, um, and I said, oh, well, the study proved this and the study showed that and the study did this. And he just points his finger at me and he says, stop hiding behind your effing study already. And I was like, oh no. 
And, and I realized, you know what, I was helping people at that point on a one-on-one with this information, but you know, it, it was too big to keep to myself. So I sat my whole family down and I thought my kids would be like, oh, come on, mom. <laughs> and I, I thought my husband would be like, oh, no. And, um, and they were my biggest supporters. They said, you know what? You're going to help so many people. Go ahead. And it was great. Wow. That's nice to hear. So where can people take your test again, your quiz? Yeah. yeah so really, I mean, the best thing, take that post-betrayal syndrome quiz. They can find that at the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Okay. And we'll be, I'll be uh, posting a link as well in the video. Uh, so mm-hmm. people could click on there as well. And what are the, um, how many books have you written? Uh, a, a bunch. Let's see. The Lifestyle <laughs> Fitness Program, that was in 2007 or 8. Uh, the, uh, the Unshakable Woman, The Unshakable Woman, The Workbook, A Pocket Full of Mojo, and now uh, Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence, and Happiness. Okay. And people could find your book on Amazon or anywhere. they can, but you know what? I would rather they get it through this special link. Cause then I can give them all kinds of goodies. So okay. if they go to the pbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again, one word, then uh, they just, they can, there's a link to Amazon, but I want them to have that link because then when they put in their receipt, they get all kinds of bonuses. Nice. Okay. So what's your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience with? Uh, That's such a great question that I didn't do anything. Anybody else couldn't do. You owe it to yourself to become healed, healthy, whole, uh, back in control and just take the steps to do it. Even if you don't know what it looks like, just don't stay stuck. Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I will be interviewing Kat McLeod. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll receive alerts when new episodes are available each week on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time.